Welcome, everyone, to Kingdom Hearts by Heart, the Chain of Memories post-game special. Da, 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 da. I'll be your host, Kevin, and I'm joined, as always, by Marshall. <laughs> and today we're gonna we're gonna kick back a little, and you know, just take a load off and. Just process everything that just happened. I was about to say, I expected your intro to be very uh, filled with, like, depression and a grim outlook on life. But that was surprisingly neutral to upbeat. And Well, no, I'm excited because it's over. That's true. We are burying it. This, it. this is the time to complain about it. So this is the best time, right? Yeah. I'm ready to go. Yeah. I'm excited. No more false starts. No more... Oh... You thought you were done with the game, but actually you're not. So it's mm-hmm. it's good. Let's let's bury this thing. So <laughs> yeah, much like how for Kingdom Hearts One, we did a little little epilogue wrap up episode. Uh, we're just going to talk about Chain of Memories as a whole in this episode. But uh, before we get into the meat proper, we are going to take a little detour to that good old spot we like to call. Game corner. It's the opposite of timeout. Yeah. So, um, as always, if you just want to skip right into the proper discussion, you can just check the good old timestamps in the description, and it will it will lead you, it will guide you to where you must go. But mm-hmm. otherwise, we're gonna talk about what we've been playing this week. So stick around if you're looking for some suggestions or. Maybe not suggestions, depending on whether we've been playing this good or not. So why don't exactly. you, uh, why don't you kick us off? What have you okay. been playing? The, the theme of my part of Game Corner this week is mobile because I did a lot of handheld gaming this week. I didn't really do any uh, sitting down at the at the desk doing that, mm-hmm. which sucks because I totally meant to get a kickstart, uh, jumpstart in KH two, and that did not happen. So. In my mind, I have makeup to do when really I just want to be ahead of the game. But uh, speaking of the weekend we were actually recording, a Pokemon Go Fest happened, so I've been very busy the past two days running around IRL in incredibly crappy weather uh, trying to catch uh, imaginary creatures and not looking uh, like a goddamn fool the entire time. Was there. I mean, I imagine there's a bunch of other people that you can tell are obviously doing the same exact thing as you. Exactly, yeah. There's yeah. a very common spot where we live that people will flock to for Pokemon Go. It's a very nice green space. And yeah, I uh, I had on the... Uh, my partner got me the... I didn't realize it was a Pokemon Go Fest t-shirt. I almost like, like, almost like a con- like a tea you would sell at a concert, basically. It had like a Pokestop at the front. Like, oh, it's just like, you know, it's mm-hmm. a Pokemon Go shirt. And I was like, oh, look at look at us. We're going to be the cool kids on the block. I saw literally maybe 200 people wearing the exact same damn shirt. And I was like, no, I blended to the crowd now. No. Uh, uh, but yeah, it was it was nice. They do this. Uh, I mean, TLDR for anyone who cares. It's uh, they do it like once a year. I I'm not sure if so last year, I mean, pandemic, they made it global. But I think before that they were. Uh, most of their Pokemon Go events have been like almost like little conventions. Mm-hmm. Like we went to one that was in Montreal. Ooh. Montreal, yeah, it was in Canada because I've never been to Canada, and my partner's family in Canada, so we went to Canada, and I got to meet 
some of that side of the family that I've never ever met before. Nice. Uh, but also Pokemon Go. <laughs> yeah, more importantly, so, let's not forget why we're here. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, I think pre-pandemic, a lot of their, like, I remember they would have, like, thing. I remember one that was in, like, Chicago. It's just like, yeah, it's a place where people, I believe you'd be like, you buy a ticket. I couldn't tell you how much the yep. Go Safari in Canada we did was, but, like, maybe $15 for, like, this kind of exclusive access. Mm-hmm. I remember last year, Go Fest was $15. I think it was kind of worth it, but not really. And then this year, they dropped the price down to $5. So for, yep. did I get $5 worth of in-game value? I think I did. Um, but also, I think it's totally, like, how a lot of people complain, like, oh, I don't, I don't want to pay $5. And the stuff I got for $5 was cool, but I, I could also just run around for several hours enjoying the, like, increased spawns and just literally the event in general. I didn't need to pay. Uh, I just happened to be one of the paying players. But, yeah, I was I was happy to see that... People didn't need to pay to enjoy the damn game, which is... Yeah. I enjoyed it. I just am extremely exhausted. <laughs> yeah, I I bet Pokemon Go will do that to you. And so, that was that. It was fun. And apparently, and the, the second part of my game corner is apparently I, have ha- I haven't had enough of Fire Emblem. Because oh, I picked no. up Fire Emblem Echoes, Shadows of Valentia. It's not a bad one. Don't worry. Is that a completely different game? That's not the companion to Fates? It's not. I said, I'm not, I'm not doing like the, the, the third Fates storyline yeah. anytime soon. I, we just finished Chain of Memories, so we don't need to punish ourselves yeah. anymore, okay? We've crossed the threshold. Um, yeah, this was... I mean, for reference, by the time we're recording this, Three Houses was the last game. This was the last game on the 3DS before they released Three Houses for Switch. Mm-hmm. And it's not the first remake. It's the first remake? No, it's not. I'm an idiot. It's a remake of Fire Emblem 2, which is called Fire, which is originally called Fire Emblem Gaiden. Um, so they had their little echoes as like kind of a sub... I guess part of the subtitle just to be like, hey, this is a remake, or it's a remade game, obviously. I have been really actually enjoying it a lot so far. And I have a small... I shouldn't say small circle of friends. Valentia has a lot of... Stands. I was trying to find the right word. But stand, I think, is the most appropriate word. Mm. Um, People who, like, love the game and love the characters and so on and so forth. And they're kind of valid. I didn't know how I would kind of take to it, it being, one, a remake. But it seems like a very good remake. Uh, from what I heard, it's it, it is very faithful to the original mechanics, so that they didn't they didn't like update it. For, they well, they did update it for new generation, but you know I think we've talked before about on the on our show about like you know a remake versus a remaster. What do you keep as to, mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to like what do you strip away that could be dated? Yep, the whole time I was playing FF Seven remake. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, that sounds about right. Echoes kind of still carries. Like it, it it proudly wears its a uh, fire emblem guided T-shirt as you strut through this world, but uh, especially coming off the back of Fate, I think it's a very nice breath of fresh air. Most of the characters are very likable and understandable. That's all you can ask for. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's fire emblem. Yeehaw. 
so yeah, it's been so far so good. I've been I've been literally sucked into it. So there's my glowing recommendation right off the bat. About like six to seven hours in, no no big complaints, which is a total turnaround from the last Fire Emblem game I played. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's uh that's that's my bow and ribbon, and I'm gonna pass it on to you. So I mean, literally right before we started talking, we started recording. You mentioned what you were playing, but tell me, tell me again. I've been playing two things, actually. Um, mm. Yeah, so I've been kind of, like, double-dipping between two. I've been playing Ocarina of Time, because, you know, the Skyward Sword remake, or remaster, there we go again with that question, uh, Skyward Sword <laughs> HD just came out, and just kind of in the mood of, you know, 3D Zeldas, and, like, even even before it was announced, because, you know, it's the 35th anniversary, like, I kind of wanted to, like, play some Zelda games this year, so. Yep. Ocarina of Time! I mean, what is there to say that hasn't already been said? I won't dwell on it, but um, still really good. It's a good game. I'm playing the Virtual Console on Wii U, so not the 3DS remaster. So <laughs> definitely a lot of annoying bits. So aiming's pretty bad. Luckily, 3DS mm-hmm. had like the gyroscope, which made things really smoother. But here, it's like, first of all, it's inverted, and there's nothing you can do to control it, so that's annoying. But it's like... <laughs> Just the tiniest little nudge of the control stick, like, sends the reticle, like, halfway across the screen. You're like, oh, God. <laughs> so, super sensitive. Yeah. And also, just the dialogue is just outrageous, because it's so slow. Like, literally, like, this is about the speed you would read the dialogue as it appears <laughs> word by word. Do you not want me to not never say any of this never again, Link? Yes. Wait, no. Yes. I mean, no. Oh, no. <laughs> there we go. We got our one Kaporia Gaboria joke in. We're real yeah. gamers now. Yeah. And then it's weird because, like, some dialogue you can just kind of blaze right through. Like, you can press the B button. But in others, it's like, no, you're going to sit here and have to read all of this word by word. And then, like, there's no in-between. Because if you press B, it just zooms through the entire conversation. I'm like, well... No, I still want to read it. I just don't want to read it, like, one word per minute. Damn. <laughs> there are um, only two speeds when it comes to Ocarina of Time dialogue. Yeah. And then the same thing for, like, the sensitive sensitivity. The same thing goes for just, like, moving Link, where, like, he jumps off of ledges really easily. And to, like, get your footing, like, the right positioning, it can be a little awkward. So, like, you know, definitely shows its age. No surprise mm-hmm. there. But, like, also, like... It's the first 3D Zelda, and just, like, kind of taking that step back and, like, really appreciating what it actually did, it's, like, kind of insane, because mm-hmm. it also just does a lot that's really interesting that, like, you wouldn't think that a studio would try for, like, their first game on, like, this whole new hardware and this whole new third dimension, but, like, you know, the whole mm-hmm. child-adult mechanic of, like, switching back and forth, like, that's really clever and, like, really ambitious and just, like, interacting with the world and making changes in the past to affect the future, blah, 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 blah. So, like... Yeah. Yeah. There's a reason that many people consider it the best game of all time. Um, so, like I said, I won't dwell on it too much. Still fun. I just wrapped up the Spirit Temple, so I'm about finished. I think I'll do some side questy things and check out some yeah. hard pieces. But, yeah, really fun. So, I might... Hell yeah. It's might uh, check out my favorite game of all time. Oh. It's not the best game of all time, oh. but Ocarina is my favorite game. And 
to, to, to very mildly piggyback, very only mildly, uh, <laughs> I am debating if I want to replay Ocarina of Time or Majora's Mask this year for the anniversary. Because mm. I was replaying Ocarina on an AMA and like an annual or biannual basis. Yeah. I stopped kind of like maybe 2019, 2020 because the world lit on fire. But I would replay Ocarina of Time at least like once once a year, yep. not once every other year. Cause yeah, I think I think everyone has it's... a game or two like that. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I've been playing, uh, speaking of sort of traditions and annual events, mm. so I cracked open this year's stop on Kevin's Final Fantasy Expedition. I don't know if that made sense. I'm playing Final Fantasy X. <laughs> <10. laughs> <laughs> So I played. Let's go. I played seven, or no, I played nine in 2019, uh, seven last year, 2020, and now this year I'm playing Final Fantasy X. So that's sort of like a little yearly thing that I've started recently. And yeah, I'm only six hours in, so don't don't have too much to say. But you know, I can, can give my initial thoughts. And yeah, sure. um, yeah, it's it's pretty different. It's it's interesting. So much like Ocarina of Time, like the main thing that kind of stands out to me is like just how impressive the tech is. Because I'm pretty sure this was a launch game for PS2, right? If not, like definitely in the first year. Yes, I don't think it yeah. was launch game, but it was launch year. Yeah. So like, yeah, on a technical level, it's like incredible. Like, I, I think it looks better than Final Fantasy 15, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, just, like, the models obviously all look really good, but, like, you know, unlike Kingdom Hearts, where you get the fish face, like, they actually model them, like, fully more often during cutscenes. Like, they'll still have, like, the 2D texture, but, like, you get a lot more of that kind of in-between, where it's, like, it's not fully CG, but, like, you can still see the articulation in their face. So that's cool. The world design's really awesome. So, as we all know, this was the the beach-slash-water generation, where, like... (laughs) <laughs> There's just a lot of games with like a an ocean theme. Um so that's really cool. It's a completely different vibe from seven and nine. Yeah, it's cool. I dig it. Um the voice acting's weird. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't I don't know about all this narration from Titus. That feels really weird and I, I'm not sure what they're going for there where they like, oh, it's like the first like really polished presentation, so like let's add this narration so like people can really grasp the story. Or, well, mm-hmm. I guess it would have been the first voice acted game in the series, huh? Yeah, I was about to say. I think this is the first yeah. time we had voice acting uh, like in the game. Again, much like Ocarina of Time, you can see the parts where it's aged, and it's like oh, but then like you can. There's just a ton of charm to it still. Um, so it's, yeah, I just kind of picked it up kind of on a whim where I was like, I don't know if I'm in the mood for like, you know, another big RPG, but eh, I'll check it out see if it, it hooks me and yeah, yeah, I'd say, I'd say it's done that. I definitely want to keep checking it out. It's um, hooked. The sphere grid is really intimidating and scary and I don't like it, <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's, I think it's simpler than I'm making it out to be. Definitely, but I, I was I was even thinking when you were just talking about stuff. I was like, "Oh, good old Sphere Grid," but mm-hmm. uh, you're you're not wrong. It, it is like it is like seeing into a million branching timelines in the future, yeah. and just being struck with indecision. <laughs> yeah, especially because the game's just really weird about tutorials. That's another thing which I 
I do dislike, um, just like the menus are weird and like mostly it's just weird to get around and like information that you think would be easily accessible isn't. So like prime, uh, offender is just abilities. Like when you go to see your abilities, you can't, you can't actually see the effect and what they do. You have to go all the way out to, you have to literally pull up a dictionary from the menu and a completely separate (laughs) screen and then manually track the ability down and like cross reference. Like, Oh, okay. This is what this does. Like, what? Why is it so complicated? Like, I'm pretty sure seven and nine. Like, they would just tell you what the ability does right then and there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the combat's cool. It's much more involved because you kind of have that like active switching where you can just tag people in instantly, and then they can do do an action. So that's neat. And so far, it's kind of crazy how they just throw like pretty much your entire party at you at once. So I have five characters right now, and then. Seems like there's only two others, and one of them's Auron, 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 who we've already seen. So and Riku is the other one, and we already had her. So like, <laughs> it's kind of weird how there's like no surprises left for party members. But mm-hmm. eh. so yeah, I'm I'm into it. I'm I mean I think I'm I I'm pretty sure I know the spoiler. I'm gonna say pretty sure. I mean I I know the spoiler. Like I know. Yeah. Or at least have a vague idea of where this is going, but I don't know how we get there. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm into it. Sometimes it's about the journey. So, yep, I'll be playing that for the next 17 weeks, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. But yeah, I was about to say, also, or your only reference for Orin would be yeah, Cage. We're about to jump into Cage 2, right? Yeah, no, it's going to line up uh, very... I think maybe. this will be very, very interesting to be experiencing both of these at the same time. So, mm. I'm... Uh, it's almost like I planned this. <laughs> I Maybe it's just a happy coincidence. Yeah, that's what I've been playing. So, speaking of Kingdom Hearts, why don't we just dive right on in? And speaking of spoilers, I mean, obviously we've already spoiled everything because we covered the whole game. But we'll, we'll, well, we might end up touching up on like future game spoilers because there are some things in here that kind of harken back to. I guess I should say harken forward to like things that happen in later games. Um, so I guess just a little heads up. Um, but yeah, let's let's just dive in, and I guess we can just start by sharing our overall impressions of Chain of Memories. How do we feel? <laughs> uh, I I feel like this immense pressure because I'm. I'm both excited and terrified of what you're going to say on the backswing of all this. But mm, I'm just going to... Be afraid. I'm just going to... Be very afraid. It's, it's, it's candid camera time, baby. Ugh. So, I went into cha- I went into calm, especially with the renowned stigmatism, stigmatism against uh, Chain of Memories. I tried to go with like a positive attitude. And also, it had been years since I played it. And just trying to be positive. Probably the first half of Sora's campaign, I felt like it, it had a good upswing. I was like, okay, I'm enjoying it. The latter half of Sora's story did uh, hold me at gunpoint <laughs> and just say, finish the game. You know you have to. And more of like, I was like, oh, I really enjoyed the beginning. It started off like, well, one, it wasn't too bad. And one, I was going with like, you know, trying to be, I wouldn't say forced positivity, but like trying to go in with like a positive mindset because internally I'm actually incredibly pessimistic. 
But, uh, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, about literally halfway through Sora's story, it it crashes. It crashes very hard. <laughs> I would say actually doesn't even crash that hard. It's just like a... There's like a slow... Like, I think literally a slow descent into madness. Because even though yep. Sora didn't show signs of memory loss, we started to show signs of memory <laughs> loss. Because we don't yeah. want to remember what the hell happened in Castle Oblivion. Yeah. One hundred percent. And there, there's a reason Sonic Blade has been uh, the go-to word for, I think, the last <laughs> two episodes of Sora's story. Can't confirm. Yeah. Um, <sighs> I was thinking about it earlier, and I would just describe the one, the game in one word, and that is tedious. Literally everything about it is tedious and grindy and repetitive. Mm-hmm. The story is just the same beat after beat of memory loss, organization scheming, misremembering, needless aggression, and it just gets very tiresome, especially because everything is in those same two white rooms and then dark white room. (laughs) So it's just a very monotonous plot. The gameplay is super repetitive, obviously. Yeah. Navigating the worlds is super repetitive, and like that's... That's kind of the whole charm of Kingdom Hearts, is exploring the worlds. At least at this point, when Kingdom Hearts 1 is what you're going off of, obviously it's more focused on combat and later games. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, just like seeing how all the worlds were interpreted was kind of a huge... was a huge draw of the first game. Mm -hmm. And here it's just... Just, you know, a template where... Yeah, they're they're a backdrop, literally, yeah. Yeah, so there's no fun in exploring them. Um, And then combat, same situation where, like, you're just grinding for the right map cards and, yeah, spamming the slate that gets the fight over quickest. (laughs) And, like, managing your cards is another tedious thing where, like... I mean, again, this kind of... It's a qualm I have with any sort of deck builder, but just, like, going in and having to switch out cards constantly and uh, blah, blah, blah. Thankfully, Riku's campaign fixes that, but (laughs) that's another thing where it's like, oh, you were tired of the game? Well, here's a shorter version of it that's still, like, three or four hours. Have fun. (laughs) (laughs) I was about to say, like, yeah, I... uh... Riku, because Riku's story is meant to be a speed run, yeah. Just to say we could, like it's very, mu- it's very much like the B side. I mean, it exactly. literally is the B side. But Riku's story is just well, one. I think it's, I think Sora's story has bigger highs, but all, but we, we and we talked about this when we talked about the end of Sora's story. But Sora's story has like some interesting highs, but some really low lows. I think Riku's, for the most part, it's still a bumpy ride, but I think Riku's storage is more consistent. And yeah, maybe it's totally. to the fact that he doesn't lose memory constantly. Exactly. Even though doesn't really show signs of memory loss. But Riku's, he's there the entire time. His story is a story of redemption and the consequences that will follow you along the way. I mean, it's it's also related. Yeah. It's just a better story. It's just a better story. Yeah, it's it's much more even, so I was more engaged with it, but it's not, like, groundbreaking. <laughs> like, you, you get the yeah. idea of where yeah. it's going. So, like, yeah, I would I would agree where, like, it's not quite as exciting as some of the moments in Sora's story, but overall I do prefer, just in general, I prefer Riku's campaign 
look at them separately, but in the context of mm. coming right off the heels of Sora's campaign, it's like, oh, <laughs> why? <laughs> I had to play a Sora for 12 hours straight. No <laughs> breaks, no water, only Sora. <sighs> I guess, well, for Riku, there's little to no mystery to the Riku campaign. And like you said, you understand where we're going. And there's some, you know, there's some little backdrops. There's some organization stuff of, like, here... I mean, again, we see things that we didn't see on Sora's side, but that are happening simultaneously in terms of characters we never met, like Lexeus and Zexion, but also with Axel and Marluxia and Vexen characters. So we, we know, and especially, actually, Repliku. Uh, shout to Repliku. Um, peace, homie. It's been real, but... <laughs> Yeah, there's just, like, a lot of things we didn't get to see because Sora was being uh, a big dumb idiot. Yeah, so, like, I guess we can just talk about the story specifically. Um, yeah. So, pretty early on, like, with our first or second episode, I laid out all my cards on the table. <laughs> Pun intended. <gasps> and I said that I don't think you have to play Chain of Memories to understand the story of Kingdom Hearts 2. And... I maintain that. <laughs> I think you can get the idea... Like, obviously, you lose a lot of the context, but really nothing consequential happens in this game that, like, you couldn't just kind of figure out based on where we pick up in Kingdom Hearts 2. So, like, oh, Sword on Goofy, um, wake up in these weird memory pods, and, like, sure, that's probably really weird if you didn't know Chain of Memories was a thing, but, like... Yep. If you go back and look, like, it's it's pretty simple. It's, oh, he, like, lost his memories... And then this is him getting his memories back. So it's basically just resetting the status quo. It's not like this was like some like major development of like his Keyblade journey where like he had to go to these trials and now he's in this pod to reach his mm. next form or something. I don't know. It's just literally, okay, it's like he, when he comes out, he's going to be the same exact way he was when he went in or like before exactly. Chain of Memories. So it's like, okay, that. Seemed like a weird detour. Like, literally, the whole game is yeah. just a detour. <laughs> Details! You meet the organization, but, like, again, mm -hmm. you meet them again in Kingdom Hearts 2. It's just and a new they roster. They get a complete reintroduction, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, the game treats it... I mean, honestly, it's a more proper introduction than anything in Calm, where, like, you, the I first time so. you see them, they're all together, and you're, like... You, you get the explanation of who they are from Yensid and everything, so, like... Mm-hmm. It explains who they are better than Calm, frankly. <laughs> um, I guess the main argument you can say for why Calm is important is, again, Riku's story, because he, he doesn't... It's not a status quo set for him, like reset. Yeah. Because, you know, he meets, meets Mickey, he kind of reclaims his heart, blah, 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 fights against Ansem. But, like, they basically do that exact story again in Kingdom Hearts 2. <laughs> yep. I remember the first time I played through Calm, I thought Riku's story was really tedious, because, like, yeah, it's pretty much... It hits all the same beats as his story in Kingdom Hearts 2, pretty much. So it felt like, oh, we're doing this again. Like, I get it. He's struggling with the darkness. But, like, chronologically, this came first, obviously. So, like, I, I do give it some mm -hmm. slack now. We're like, oh, okay, this actually... Like you were just saying, like, it kind of explains his redemption of, like, having to own up to his mistakes and everything, which is all solid. Mm -hmm. But, like, again, you, you could get that from what you see of him in Kingdom Hearts 2. Like, you're definitely missing some of those character moments, but it's not like you'd be completely lost if you just picked up 
at Kingdom yeah. Hearts 2. Because, like, even, exactly. like, the main development with Riku, where, like, you're, you're like, wait, what's going on with him? Like, why does he look like this? Like, that's not even explained in Calm. <laughs> that's explained mm-hmm. in between Calm and 2. So, like... <laughs> If you just look up a quick plot summary or watch some cutscenes on YouTube, like, you get it. <laughs> like, Sora loses his memories, and then he gets them back. And then because he loses his memories, like, he's not going to know anything that you don't. So, like, yeah, you'll you'll understand based on what he learns in Kingdom Hearts 2. So, that, that pretty much covers all of my sort of high-level thoughts. These big brain plays. I don't look too kindly on this one uh <laughs> frankly i don't ever want to play it again <laughs> i do actually oh god why <laughs> so we'll uh when we kind of talk about our thoughts and emotions we'll get to a little extra biddies which is it's more curiosity killed the cat rather than anything to be honest mm. i know it's not going to be i'm not gonna replay recom and like have my mind blown I just kind of want to do it for some extra goodies and just to say I did it. And also, I recently got in repossession of the Game Boy Advance, the OG version of Chain of Memories. So there is a part of me that says, uh, before I pass from this mortal coil, I do want to play through the original version. Uh, Something that, you know, it's very much like something little me couldn't do, so big me wants to do it. Uh, Redeem, I just want to redeem my childhood. I think for the original version, it does have its charm. Because we've touched on this before, but just, you know, it's a smaller game, so, like, the gameplay kind of makes sense for a Game Boy game. But also, yeah, I just think, like, all the sprite work is, like, really unique. Like, you don't really see that in any other game, whereas Recom, it's just a bunch of reused assets. So that also contributes to the tired feeling of, like, oh, like, we're doing this again. But, like, mm-hmm. yeah, I think, like, the game feel of playing on GBA would definitely be different, where, like, you're like, oh, this is, like, kind of novel. So, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I would say check out the Game Boy version if you're really curious, maybe for, like, a couple hours. Like, don't have to finish it if you're not feeling it. But, yeah, I, I, I think that's valid. But, yeah, Recon specifically, no, like, delete it off my system. <laughs> <laughs> so what else are we gonna cover today? What else is on your uh, your list of topics to give comets fair due? <laughs> so I want to move on to: Is there any uh, particular strategy minus Sonic Blade that uh, I don't know? We t- kind of talked about how we explored our respective worlds going through Kingdom Hearts One. Literally, the exploration is quite different this time around, but. When it came to... So here, well, here's the thing in terms of combat, because it's just a card game. Is there anything particular you would do besides... Or, you know, is there anything you would spam to high hell? Or what's your, what, what's your preference? What's your play style looking like? <laughs> you know the answer to that. <laughs> um, well, I guess if it's not Sonic Blade, then... Um, definitely using spells whenever I could, for sure. Because, uh, like, the elemental sort of affinities and weaknesses are really good. Um, so those are really helpful if you don't have the right Keyblade cards to get off higher level slates. But yeah, like, I am I think I mentioned last episode, just in general, just, like, being patient. Specifically in boss fights. So, like, actually paying attention to what your opponent's cards are doing instead of just throwing out attacks. So, like, mm-hmm. taking the wait-and-see approach... Um, keeping my slate on deck and then just having that zero ready or like a high level car to break them 
so then I can pop my slate off without any concerns. And yeah, I went pretty hard on CP just so I could just have much higher level cards so I didn't have to worry about it. So by the end, I think like the lowest card I would have in my deck was like seven or six. So basically mm. whatever would remove the most amount of thought required on my part is my <laughs> strategy. <laughs> how how do you make head empty no thoughts the game? Mm-hmm. And then um pretty late on I discovered the glory of Mega Flare, so that would be pretty ha- handy for taking out the mob fights for sure. Mm-hmm. It's like one of those things where once you find a strategy that works, which I think is a big problem of the game, is just the balancing. Obviously, because you can just win with Strike Blade or Sonic Blade. Because <laughs> um, like, there's no reason not to do that. You know what I mean? Because it is kind of weirdly turn-based, so like things are predictable of like how certain attacks will work, whereas you know the other games, it's more real-time, so like it's more about your timing and your reflexes and everything. But here, it's it's just play the bigger number. <laughs> so yeah, it's just not very engaging on a gameplay level. Um, unless you're just like really determined to like experiment and discover all the slates, basically. But I'm I'm not about that life. So <laughs> what about you? Because you like actually tried. I did try. But yeah. Um, when I just when I did our when I did the journal digging and figured out that the keyblades have stats beyond stats, like you know, like here's like a detailed description of we talked about like the the first hit, the second hit, the third hit, uh, just that that like opened then that that was a part of my big upswing of like oh hell yeah, there's very 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 minimal depth to this game and I will take it like one as like a try it and see how it you know see how the shoe fits just like does it add a, does it add to the experience do i feel more accomplished do i feel like i'm doing it and not getting good results and i'm just like this is completely worthless it should be reworked mm-hmm. um but yeah i really did enjoy really messing with my keyblade combos to make sure oh, i ended with a good finisher card or i started with a good starting card and of course the uh the gameplay is play cards, get cards broken. So your deck, you have to understand your deck is never going to be completely perfect. Basically, I mean, you can optimize yeah. it, of course, as we try to do. But, you know, don't, you know, don't expect it to go in with a flawless victory. Your, uh, you, you, you got, your strategy is going to get screwed up. But, uh, mm-hmm. I don't, I, I still enjoy that part of the deck building process. And again, much towards the part where, boss fights got egregious and it kind of got grindy I did stop caring about it to some degree um, at this point it was just get through the game and of course just the story kind of weighing down kind of like it's, no no I, you can't make me I don't wanna uh, but uh, I did I mean the equivalent of Sonic Blade for your playthrough uh, for me it was Wild Crush and it's, yep. it's just really good at clearing out most of the most of the dudes, and also it's just Donald and Goofy, so it's a pretty easy, you know, if you get two friend cards, it's like, okay, I can just, I can use Goofy's skull to decimate my enemies. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a, that's a good one. But, like, it's dependent on your friend cards, right? So there's some sort mm. of RNG slash waiting to it, whereas... Like, you're not fully in control of it. You can't just pop it off whenever. That's, that's like, my exactly. only reason why I didn't just spam it constantly. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to wait to work for it. And yeah. yeah, I guess even today we don't really know what could, triggers the friend cards specifically. Yeah. <laughs> and also, it's also it's not super required. Again, for for Riku, it's very good because Mickey heals him. In fact, it's the only way to heal. But yeah, yeah. yeah no, the slates. Uh, I will shout out slates in particular as being another mm-hmm. sort of shining spot of the game because like they're much more involved than I thought they would be when I first played mm-hmm. it. Um, yeah. And, and I imagine a lot of it is recom specific, but yeah, like just you pull off all these like crazy attacks that like some of them don't show up in any other, or actually a lot of them, they don't show up yeah. in other games, and they're they're basically the prelude to commands from uh, Birth by Sleep and onward. So like that was really cool to see. Of like, oh wow, like I didn't realize we were doing this sort of thing like this early in the series. So yeah, I'll give them that. It gets a. It's a little something something. Yeah. Yeah, like there's that one attack, I forget the name, but like Sora like just like em- surrounds himself in like pillars of flame. Oh, I use this a few times too. Oh my god. Yeah, and then the keyblade just floats in front of him and it's like, okay, what's going on here? <laughs> when did Sora learn this one? <laughs> um so yeah, like some of them obviously are like just really overpowered and stupid, but really cool animations, so slates are cool. It's just annoying. I mean, to get them, you have to grind a lot to get some of the better ones. Mm, yeah. But yeah, another thing I like is the just the friend card system. And I, I guess summons in general where, like, you can, like, kind of power them up, right? So it just, mm. it's a little more interesting than just getting a summon and then never using it. Because <laughs> it's like, okay, well, <laughs> it does this 20 hours of the game. It does the same exact thing, like... 50 hours of the game like what difference does it make so that that's just kind of cool mm. to see like oh you can like keep your summons useful and they can kind of scale with you so that's neat mm-hmm. same with friend cards so it has like little bits here and there where i'm like oh okay like this is an interesting idea but yeah it's just very much like a needle in a haystack where you just have to dig through so much <laughs> unfortunately annoying. yeah yeah uh, I, I guess for strats i've i've always had like well, one, one. I will also back up summons or summon cards. I do love them. I've always, I've always tried to have a good cloud. That's just kind of like not even like there's, there's no gameplay perspective. It's just the fact that I like cloud. I always try to have cloud in my deck. Yep. Uh, out of the summons, is, is cloud my favorite of the summon cards? Simba. Okay, we get Simba. I think literally at the start of the game, Simba yep. wears off of me very, very quickly personally yeah. because Simba can. Be one, he doesn't do a lot of damage, uh, and I think Simba could just turn around and eat his own tail from time to time. Just like, no, that's, <laughs> I don't, the enemies aren't there. So, like, I guess for reference for anyone who hasn't played Calm, when you to when you summon Simba, he walks forward, he'll do his proud roar, but he is wherever you are targeting. So, if uh, for some reason you auto-target something that. You know, say like a shadow approaches you and walks behind you. Simba's like, ah, yes, this measly thing. I will destroy it. I'm like, Simba, no. Simba, no. You, I pointed you that way for a reason. And then your your mm. whole strategy's gone up in flames. And you're like, what am, I, what am I even doing here? Yeah. Yeah, I would probably say Cloud, just because he's unique. Like, he wasn't in Kingdom Hearts 1. So it was just cool to see, like, yep. oh, I can, like, summon a Cloud. <laughs> exactly. Um, so that was fun. This list are more than just, like, you know, genie, uh, genie, but level three. 
Cloud will actually do like uh, like he'll do omni slashes and cross slashes and do extra, you know, it just be like animations, more things all the time. Yeah, one hundred percent. He's definitely my favorite boy. But in terms of exploring the world, I guess I like I think I've mentioned a few times, Uh, and it's it's I I think this is the way I do it because if I didn't, it'd be super damn annoying. I hate it when I try to get a I guess a prize in the field, like you hit this plant, you. Destroy this barrel. Oh, and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Either Moogle orbs or HP orbs or a card comes spilling out. And then an enemy, uh, I'm like, oh boy. And, the, and then the, and the shadow creeps up on me and then just like caresses my back and says, no, what if I didn't let you have that? Yeah. And then I so, scream like, into the, I scream into the ether. It like actively discourages like exploration. Cause it's like, well, if I go out of my way for this, like I'm probably just going to get sniped by enemies and just waste my time. <laughs> So yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a headache. <laughs> yeah, it's easy enough in some of the worlds, but like in the Hollow Bastions, where you have like mm, an expansive yeah. map or expansive room for some of the cards, like it's like a uh, yeah. At the end of the day, sometimes it's just not worth it. So yep. So uh, why don't we talk about some of those map cards while we're on the subject? <laughs> um. So what are which ones did you think were the most useful, and which ones did you dread to <laughs> to have to be forced to use because you didn't have any other matching card? <laughs> exactly. I would say in terms of the ones I love, most of the green cards I think are my jam. Uh, and a bit, I should I, I mean to be fair, they're the map cards are split up into red, green, blue. Um, the redder enemies, the greener. I, I can't even do this off. I did it like in a previous episode. The green usually buffs you, and the blue, yeah. I wouldn't even say is a wild card. They tend to be, they're mostly safe areas. Like, it's like, you know, a save point, a Moogle shop, a chest. Yeah. I guess there is, like, the guarded, there is guarded trove, or in false bounty, technically. But, like, blue ones tend to be, like, a moment to breathe. Like, oh, I just ran through 20 rooms of Heartless. Can I get, can I get a goddamn water, please, sir? Yeah. I think this is also for my my deck specifically, but also it's very funny. Uh, Marshall walking, um, and I talked about this kind of briefly when we went through Riku's story, is since Riku can't mod his deck, uh, especially when it comes to green cards, uh, they, they can be very helpful because, I mean, I, I com- completely biatched about Wonderland and how that's a horrible deck. So I really it was like, okay, what, what cards do I have to use? And a lot of times it was a lot of Marshall walkings, a lot of I think heavy impact, or I think no. First initiative is when you uh, enter a battlefield hitting, or enter a battle when you hit a heartless in the map room. It'll do heavy damage. So one, the fight's just easier. Um, so I really came to like first initiative. I think martial walking, but the the flip side of like you know martial walking, sorceress walking. I think the items is alchemic walking. Is that? If you set up your deck in a certain way, they will probably mess up your slates. If, like, I mean, speak of, speaking of Sonic Blades, although I think Sonic Blades kind of forgiving to a degree, if you have your deck set up in a specific way, increasing or, or decreasing, oh, they're all increases, never mind, uh, but increasing your card numbers can kind of throw your strategy off. So, you gotta be careful. Uh, Almighty Darkness can go burn a ditch. I hate it. It's the opposite of Feeble Darkness, obviously. Enemies yep. get stronger. Why would I want my enemies to get stronger? I hate it. 
Looming Darkness is, makes like a, a decent sized map in the heart. The heartless like are homing seek ho- like heat seeking missiles uh, trained on Sora and Oriku's location. But I did use them a lot for grinding actually, just because it's a big room, a big size, mm. and also like the heartless will f- they will find me. There's nowhere I can hide from them. I'd rather make my journey more of a pain so that I don't have to do any unnecessary backtracking. That's that's very much a, my like mental space when it comes to that. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, the blue ones are all good. I mean, besides, I mean, the worst are obviously False Bounty and Guarded Trove because they force you to fight. But I love the other ones, obviously. They're meant to benefit Sora. Yeah. Yeah, that's mostly it. I'll let you spiel. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty much the exact opposite, where any cards <gasps> that keep the enemies subdued are just easier to take out, like, that was pretty much my, my priority. Whatever whatever kept me in combat the least. <laughs> <laughs> um, so your sleepy darknesses, whatever that's come, called, your, your I think, slow I think darknesses. Really asleep, sleeping darkness, stagnant mm. space. Yeah, because, yeah, I would just kind of... Camp out in a room and get a bunch of cards and then just beeline through and just, yeah, any cards that would inhibit the enemies or, you know, blue rooms, etc., etc., just to, like, mm-hmm. just kind of speed through. So then part of that strategy was my favorite card was the good old roulette wheel where <laughs> you can actually take some of the randomness out of the equation and you can basically choose which card you'll be rewarded at the end. So that was very handy, because I couldn't tell you how many times you just run into a door and you're like, oh, I need this exact card that I don't have. So roulette wheel is super handy for just uh, removing the uncertainty, I guess, and just getting what mm-hmm. you need right away, if you're good the enough. just wants you to suffer. <laughs> yeah. Aside from that, uh, I mean, obviously, to, I'd like to get in touch with some of my sorceress roots, so the... um. Sorceress Waking or whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. Um, That's right. I, I would pop that off whenever I had it, just because you know more magic is always a good time for me. Just a just a, just a, just a fun little time. Yeah. And then on the flip side, I mean, same as you for worst cards, just anything that makes the enemies super strong. Because <laughs> yeah, it can be pretty brutal if you don't know what you're doing, and then suddenly like everyone's card values are higher than yours and like oh no what's going yeah. on Why did sometimes I it gets really crazy <laughs> uh well as a follow, follow up to your roulette wheel actually did you ever find yourself maxed out on room cards i did not because okay. again i was very not conservative but like getting map cards like i had only strive for the bare minimum basically mm-hmm so my strategy of I um, of putting the kids to bed so I could watch TV interrupt uninterrupted. Yep. I kept getting maxed out on map cards. <laughs> I was about to say that's one thing I took from going into Sora's route to Riku's route when I had that same experience, and I think I had it worse in Riku's route because I couldn't actually think of a legitimate reason. I just happened to have the same issue. Well, I think Riku... Well, one, Riku, besides the key to beginnings doors, Riku has less door requirements to meet. Yeah. he's only going to one key room and not three key rooms that exactly. want a, uh, a card uh, above a 99 value and one that smells like strawberries but also chocolate at the same time. <laughs> yeah. So, 
Yeah, but I cannot max out on map cards. And fun fact, the game does not tell you you've maxed out on map cards. Uh, you oh. you just simply won't get a map card at the end of the battle. So you'll be like, huh, that's weird. You have to go to the pause menu and go to map cards, and then you get a pop. Or maybe that, or maybe you just op- you press start. I think you have to go into map cards though, and you'll get like a you get a prompt or a pop up that says like, hey, you have too many map cards, so you can't accept any more. Like a uh, and it might say, like, uh, you can discard some or you can, you know, use them to obviously get your limits back down to what you want it to be to get new cards, obviously. But yeah, that's something I've kind of always had an issue with in uh, going in recom. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, that sounds really annoying if you're like, wait, why am I not getting cards? Oh, I see. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I guess, eh, I'll mention it now. It could be mentioned here or in Exploration. I I kind of wish the room drops. When I room drops, I mean like um, when you hit a thing. I talked about it like in, ter- in regards to how I progress through a room. But like when you hit something or jump on it, you get an interact. Interactables, I guess, is the, the easiest way to describe them. Because you only get what you get: Moogle points, you get HP, or you get a card, which is nice for Riku. Riku only gets HP. It's Riku's probably main source. It's a, his only one of two sources of healing aside from Mickey. And mm-hmm. I guess the save point, technically. But there are so many times where I'd go to, because as Sora, I went to all the rooms of bounty to get, like, you know, my special little rewards. And, like, I'm at full health. Like, it's a world I've just gone back to and just, like, you know, I'm tiptoeing through the tulips to be like, get the hell out of my way, I'm on a mission, and then I end up in a room where I'm like, oh, you know, because I think the room to bounties have, like, a, a good amount of interactables, because it's like, hey, look, you got this special card, and now you're here in the treasure room, but I hit everything, it's HP orbs, and I just want to uh, throw my PS4 into a ditch and bury it. Mm. Yeah, no, that's... Like... That's annoying. <laughs> yeah, like, if you could have more control of that, like, spawn more card drops, spawn more HP, etc. Exactly. Or if that the game just sense. recognized, hey, your character's at full yeah, health. You don't need I don't need anymore. to give you. Yeah. yeah, and there are very, very minimal times you will take damage in the overworld. Like, there's no fall damage. It'll be, like, it'll, yeah. be, from a hard, it'll be from a fight, or, you know, in our in our later worlds in both, in both campaigns, there are some things that'll do harm to you, like there's some poisonous flowers in Wonderland and also some weird parasites on the wall in Monstro, but yep. yeah, the, you don't really get hurt in the overworld too much, so like, I wish the game just had a uh, a better system of like what do I give the player for for doing this thing? Yeah, because you know, like in um, the other games, like you, have, you get jackpot as an ability, right? So you can sort of affect mm-hmm. like what you're getting as drops so yeah that would have been really helpful here because yeah it's can be annoying when you're just looking for more cards you don't have to wait to get them and like or if you know you're you're low on moogle points and you're just like ugh, like i just need this one specific thing (laughs) exactly yeah it's annoying Uh, and i'll uh, speaking of moogle points uh it's kind of a quickie how often did you use the moogle shop not very often honestly because I just didn't like the um, the booster pack of it, basically, where it was just random. <laughs> <laughs> A true card game in nature and execution. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. 
that like I forgotten that's how it was basically. So like I used yeah. it like a couple times and I was like, oh, like I mean, I guess you're kind of in your like later worlds like you kind of have a set like oh like you won't get cards lower than x amount mm-hmm. but i was just like eh like again like i i, I had the strategy i need like i have the cards to do sonic blade <laughs> um <laughs> so like when i did do it i would usually go for sp- like just the spell pack specifically because um, mm-hmm. those are i found um not too common to just kind of find in the overworld or whatever or like chess. Yeah. Um, I feel like most of the time, yeah. Sometimes they're keyblades, but I feel like I got spells more than anything, which I will take. I'm not gonna complain. Mm. Yeah. So I I didn't visit the shops too too much. Yeah, I felt like I. Well, one, I saw there was an achievement or sorry trophy to have ten thousand Moogle points, and I was like, I want to be like that one day. And I think just in, subconsciously, I just tried not to buy packs, and then I was like, oh crap, I. This is probably, like, a Neverland. I was like, I don't think I've spawned a Moogle room besides, like, one. So maybe I should start using these damn points. And I, and especially I, I realized or had forgotten that the one-off cards, so your your choco- your metal chocobos, your spellbinders, um, the ones that aren't world cards that you'll just get a random one-off, that's you and, you, and your Oblivion, your Oathkeeper. That's when you get extra copies is uh, to give into the Moogle economy. And uh, give me some fat Moogle points. Yep. Exactly. Next up on our agenda, uh, we were just talking about favorite rooms, but what about favorite things that appear in those rooms? I'm talking about (laughs) our favorite characters. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, well. So, yeah, we got a... We get a pretty decent uh, batch of fresh new faces in this game, so yeah. Yeah, is Did it anyone in particular stick out to you? Oh, ho, ho. if I have not shown the love of Axel on my face at all times, <laughs> I love Axel. Um, I'm trying to think if I, I'm trying to just remember all our new faces. We get. Does King Mickey count as a new face in this game? I would say so. I would. This yeah, here, he's, he's like just... an actual character. So, like, this is the Mickey that you get throughout the whole series, basically. Mm. Yeah. As opposed to a shirtless mouse man in a dark corridor mm-hmm. at the end of KH1. With 2D yeah. ears. <laughs> uh, organization members, Diz, Naminé, King Mickey are, I guess, our new introductions. Because, yep, we're just yeah. revisiting worlds of worlds of years past, worlds of months past for us yeah. <laughs> over here. But in terms of... I mean, I mentioned Axel. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to think of, like, you know, just the context of Chain of Memories. I think Axel's still my favorite. Is Axel the only surviving organization member? Yes? From Chain of Memories? Yeah, he's the only carryover. Yeah. And I just imagine, like, uh, cool guys don't look at explosions. Axel a, walks out of Castle yeah. Oblivion. Puts on some shades and the castle just uh, explodes behind him. That place was a bloodbath. <laughs> Exactly. He does... There are some tendencies that are kind of... Mind you, I guess this is also his... This is, ever, you know, the entire organization's first outing. Axel is very lovable and lighthearted, but does some pretty messed up stuff this time around. So oh, yeah. This is the worst we ever see him. Like, he's like a full-blown uh-huh. villain here. Like, there's no question about exactly. it. Exactly. 
Yeah, I'm just, uh, good. But yeah, he certainly knows how to steal a scene, doesn't he? Mm. Oh, I think he's the he's just the right mix of, like, complete jackass, but also finger on the trigger at all times, or I guess finger on the wire. Like, he yeah. knows what's going on, he's... He's not the true puppet master, but you know how he knows how to he knows how to plays. He knows how to play his cards right. It hurts yep. to say that. Yeah, if you um if you've ever watched Buffy the Vampire Slayer, he and Spike mm-hmm. very much the same sort of archetype Mood. of the uh, anti-hero. So yeah, yeah, obviously Axel's a good time. But uh, I don't know. Yeah. It's kind of the kind of the cheating choice <laughs> that's that's true i guess so i guess i guess i'll, I'll move down the list uh, i actually do enjoy zexian good amount yeah. uh, unfortunately not a lot of screen time as part of riku's campaign exactly but, uh, yeah well when i'll speak of lexius and him and his two, two, two whole sentences he gets to uh his tool conversations he gets to be a part of but yeah. uh zexian and i guess kind of similar to axel is uh not you know he doesn't play with with, uh, with an open hand he kind of keeps he plays it close to the chest while also being just interesting like there's an air of mystery on the character that just exists and we don't need to know why he's like this he's just kind of a little cool and i'm not against just letting him be a cool boy he's very level-headed like he doesn't come off mm-hmm. as expressly nefarious which is refreshing because everyone else is just insane. I guess Lexius. I mean, like you were just saying, like he doesn't really have anything going on. But yeah, everyone like, else is yeah. just like, all right, can you just take it down a notch? But so yeah, he's like a much different. He's a change of pace from what we've seen of the other mm-hmm. members, where it's like, all right, we're vibing. <laughs> yeah, he has illusions, but they actually mean something. Thank God, mm-hmm. unlike Marluxia. Yeah. So for going. Uh, organization members specifically i think i just like how weird vexen is <laughs> and just he's just so high strung and neurotic and just like a complete mess just like <laughs> he's also an ice type so i'll give him points for that mm-hmm. oh yeah he's just fun and he's just really weird and like super expressive so like he just really stands out compared to the rest of the characters definitely because, like, he's mm-hmm. just kind of the butt of the jokes. Like, we, I think we mentioned that a few episodes ago, where, like, just everyone hates him, basically. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, oh Yeah. Yeah, especially considering what we know in the future, that's also tinging my perception of him a little bit. But, yeah, I'd say he's the most interesting to me of the bunch. Um, mm. I do like Lark scene probably because she's the girl <laughs> so like <laughs> i feel like i do i like i just rooting for her just being the the strong female lead <laughs> um but I, I do like her like teasing personality just like the masochism of it um mm-hmm. i can definitely understand it gets tiresome if you're just not really into that because that is pretty much her only note <laughs> yeah but yeah i like the characters who don't take things seriously so like I I called it out like when she like has her line to Sora, where Sora's like, "Get me back that charm! It's from Nomine. and she's like, "You didn't even know who she was an hour ago," or like something like that. Where like, yeah, she just kind of points out the the absurdity of it all, um, mm-hmm. and just like from a, I guess like fighting standpoint, like her 
style is really cool versus like a barrage of lightning and I'm, I'm definitely thinking of her cage 2 fight specifically but here too where it's just like she's just a lot <laughs> um, mm-hmm. so yeah I think she's a good character design and everyone else I'm pretty neutral on like Marluxia doesn't really stand out to me which is kind of weird because he's the main villain but that's pretty <laughs> much his character just villain <laughs> I hello, I am bad boy, yes. Like, he's more interesting than someone like Lexius, but still, like, he doesn't, you know, coming off the heels of Ansem, right? Like, he just doesn't really make a, like, leave an impression on me. Definitely. I like his, uh, he he pretty, he good looking. I mean, yeah. Give him that much. (laughs) And his, I I do like his, his, his fighting style and his weapon of choice. They're nice. Yeah, I do think it's really interesting how like his quote-unquote element it's like plants and life and blah 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 but like his whole aesthetic is like the grim reaper so like that's an interesting contrast to me like where you wouldn't necessarily think of these like two things mixing together so yeah that that that's yeah. cool i dig exactly. it exactly uh in terms of his like his goal well i like the idea of like uh we learn in later titles why they're in castle oblivion for these reasons, but it, but you know, Marluxia tries to flip the script. I think that's also an unfortunate side of we learn to appreciate the whole traitor mind game much more when we get to days. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's much more because we have no stakes with the organization right now. We don't know what half the organization looks like or cares. Like we know we've what we have se- seven this time around. Marluxia, Lexine, Vexen, Axel, Lexeus, Zexion. So six, six plus we know of a superior, at least. But realistically, we see six members of the organization this time around. Yep. So they're, they're like, we're gonna overthrow, we're gonna, we're gonna overthrow the patriarchy. Cool. Uh, what did the patriarchy do though? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. It's kind. Of, yeah, and that's that's just an unfortunate side of we don't know them. Yet and the, the organization is kind of half baked because we don't we don't we don't get to delve into that. That's KH2's job is to really make the organization a real powerhouse. Unfortunately, so recon we gotta take we gotta take a step back. Yeah. Uh, for for better for I guess for better and for worse for worse and for worse at this point. But uh, besides the organization, I mean, the standout character would have to be Nominee, right? She's our girl. Yeah. She's the reason we're all here. <laughs> yeah, nominee's interesting. Um, yeah, I, I can say that much because she's not villainous, but she's not good, <laughs> and obviously mm. she's just kind of being taken advantage of. And circumstances have put her in this position where she doesn't really have yep. power. Um, but like, I, she did mess up with Sora, which isn't a good thing to do. But um, she is a very sympathetic character. You definitely get to get to feel for her, and mm-hmm. you do see like the sides of her of like, you know, willing to kind of sacrifice herself for Sora or whatever, just kind of taking a stand in the organization. Like, no, I'm not gonna mess with those memories anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, she has her moments, and yeah, like you get, like I said, you get to feel for her. Like, she's trapped. You can definitely see that she wants this life with Sora, even though it's fake. So, like, you know, there is a selfish part of her that's, like, you know, at the end, she, like, gives him a choice, right? She's like, 
you can keep these memories or you can go back to how you were. And then as we discussed, she like weirdly negs Sora when he's like, yeah, no, I, I, I want to go back to how I was. <laughs> She's like, oh, yeah, of course, that, that's anyone would. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's like, well, of course you'd want that. Like, cause she's just trapped with all these crazy people in this horrible place. Um, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I'll just say her story ends in this weird note where she's like kind of redeemed, although she didn't necessarily need redemption, but like she's, you know, she's the whole reason that Sora ends up where he is at the start of KH2. So she has a much bigger role in the story at the end. And. Yeah, her story's not over, because it's like, well, well is, is Nami going to be quote-unquote saved? Like, what's going to happen with her? Like, is she still these organization creeps? So, yeah. All this to say, there's much more to her story, but there's also not. <laughs> yeah! <So. laughs> she has a really interesting setup, is what I'm trying to say. But Definitely. Uh, we'll get more into where she ends up in the next game. Definitely. I know that, uh, uh, I guess minor spoiler for a not-spoiler, uh, the secret Ansem reports in KH2 will mm-hmm. delve... Yeah. I remember I remember a few that do touch on her specifically, because uh, I think the secret Ansem reports kind of span a much bigger time frame than just before Kingdom Hearts 1, the, the, to, to, to comment on the original Ansem reports. Yep. We get some interesting developments inside of them, so... It'll be interesting to see them, but uh, I, I. So one thing we had, a, we had, I know we questioned this a while ago for Replica specifically. How is Nomina able to open up the back door to his head and mess with his memories? And I did double check. I double tried to double check Nomina's predicament, but yeah, she is able to manipulate. I mean, we'll see. We'll see when we start KH two next week. But she's able to manipulate the memories of Sora and those connected to him. Mm-hmm. But it's weird because, I mean, spoiler for next week or the week after or the week after that, uh, like, ever free for a while, everyone kind of forgets that Sora exists and then their memories of Sora start to come back. But that's the kind of extent we've seen, like, besides taking away Sora's memories and then throwing herself into Kairi's shoes... Uh, Repoku's the only person that she kind of, you know, opens the hatch, messes up the circuit board, and then slaps a fresh coat of paint and says, alright, these your memories now, kid. Yeah, but, like, he doesn't... He doesn't have a connection to Sora? <laughs> this has also that... There you go, like... Unless it's, is like... The, I, unless that's where the replica parts... Are, yeah, but I think at that point it becomes replica shenanigans of, like, yeah, what technically... I, I think the idea is... He's basically sampled from Riku's essence, but let's just say Riku's Correct. memories to make it easier, because uh, that's how another replica works in the future. They're based on mm-hmm. memories. So then you could say, like, oh, well, obviously, to Riku's memories, there's a connection to Sora there, but uh, it's murky, for sure. <laughs> yeah. It's not best. So, yeah, while we're on the note of all this character action and who foreshadowing um yeah were there any other interesting bits that stood out to you of like oh wait that's gonna be a thing in the future hmm or like little seeds planted and marluxia's little garden behind the castle oh my god <laughs> uh oh i shouldn't say all of axel's interactions a lot of axel's 
almost monologues. He has a lot of, like, moments to himself, like, especially when it comes to all the traitor nonsense. Yeah. There are, spoiler alert, there's a lot of nods towards Roxas. There's a lot of, hey, Axel, why are you so interested in this dumb kid? Uh, because this dumb kid is the original form of my only, I shouldn't say only friend, but closest friend. So there's a lot of Axel. Yep. Axel is a lot of seed planting. He's working in the garden very hard and calm when no one else, when no one else is planting anything. He's back there, knee deep in fertilizing everything. So, yeah. What is it? Um, his line where he's like smiling to himself and he's like, "Ho ho, you really are something else, kid." Like talking about Sora. Yeah, he. Yeah. He. Uh, it is. Oh, we talked about it. it's towards the end of Sora's story too. He ba- he basically he makes a comment of like he feels a certain way or feels something, and. As nobodies, they're not allowed to feel anything. Question mm-hmm. mark. Still very vague as of today. So we know the bit next game will be nobodies aren't real people. They don't have real emotions. But Axel is very much, weirdly enough, in the castle uh, with Sora uh, in the attic with a butter knife. Uh, he is learning all about what emotions could feel like. Yeah. Yeah, no, I would say... Yeah, definitely Axel is the most, like, plot threads tied up with him. Uh, probably because mm-hmm. he is the only carryover between Common two. So <laughs> Pretty similar to Riku, right? Where he's the only one who leaves the game with, like, knowledge of what happened there. Aside from, you know, Nominee mm-hmm. and Mickey. But, like, yeah, he he lives on to fight another day and... He's got a lot of secrets in that big old hair of his. That's why it's so big. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he does a lot of seed planting. Yeah, his scenes are very interesting once you have the full context of his character. Um, especially yeah. when you consider uh, days and kind of the timeline there of how he fits in. So, mm-hmm. I think... Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure we'll, appreci- we'll appreciate Recall more when we play days. But fill, I think filling in the gaps and making a literally complete story is going to, you know, it's kind of a, you know, it's a moment coming together finally that'll that'll be yeah. happening in, in two games from now. So yeah, uh, for for better, for, I mean, it's it's a definitely for better and for worse. But yeah, yeah, there are. I'm trying to I'm trying to think of anything long reaching because for most of these characters, we do not see them again. Until many, many titles in the future. Yeah. I think, uh, fun fact, Marluxia and Larxene play a big part in the mobile game, which we'll get to at the end of our uh, travel through Kingdom Hearts. But Yeah, no, obviously those two um, have much more backstory to share. But um, yeah, yeah, on that note, Marluxia, I mentioned it when we first talked about his boss fight. Um, mm-hmm. His weird monster companion, the... Um, Grim Reaper woman. Um, yeah. There are some theories around who that is, and it ties to his storyline, or what it's a reference to. And yeah, it ties to his storyline in uh, Union Cross, which I won't comment on too much because one, spoilers, don't want to go too in depth, but two, deep I, spoilers, yeah. I honestly don't know because <laughs> I haven't played fully. Like, I just know bits and pieces. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's, it's a lot. But it'll be it'll be interesting because we literally get to see all these characters again at some point, which is, I would say, the nice thing about Kingdom Hearts is the fact that character. I mean, sometimes characters don't have a great outing, 
but I feel like most of the characters, most of the original characters do get development over time, whether it be a game that goes to the future, like a sequel, or when we get to Breath by Sleep, I think that's, or I think Days technically is kind of our first prequel entry, where we kind of, you know, jump back a, a little bit, but uh, they do, I, I feel like they do make good use of their, their repertoire of characters, which is, I think I've just personally always appreciated. Yeah, definitely. As we start to wrap up here, are there any other interesting bits or pieces about the game that you wanted to shout out that we didn't get to uh, speak now or forever hold your peace? Forever hold your peace. <laughs> uh, there are two things I'll very quickly gloss over. Uh, there is, a fun fact, a Pluto friend card in this game. It will yes. only appear when you eventually start to get rid of your dick. Like, if you do, if you spam Sonic Blade uh, a few too many times, uh, there is, like, there is a way to get back lost cards. Pluto will show up and dig them up and uh-huh. dig up some HP. So there is, there is, there is a little bit of a get-out-of-jail-free card if you do kind of get willy-nilly, which I feel like it's just, like, a, you know, a fail-safe. You don't want to, um... The one time I ran away in this game was Riku in Wonderland. I had just used too many slates, and I was like, I'm mm. against up against uh, tornado steps, throwing sixes, and I was like, I have like fives and fours. I'm not going to be able to do this without exhausting my deck. And Riku doesn't get Pluto. So, I ran away. Yeah. But it is kind of nice to know there is a little failsafe on Sora's side, in the actual full game at least. Yeah. And also, more Pluto is always a good thing. Exactly! He's a good boy. That... That, that dog is in a car. We're going to get in a cage, too. Pluto exists there. And yeah. we're going to have more dimension-hopping dog stories as we uh, <laughs> as we go along this series. Uh, and then I mentioned the Rune to Rewards, where you, you get the little the extra key rooms. Uh, yeah. There is a second stage to the, the uh, Rune to Rewards I thought was very interesting. So, hmm. for the original Japanese version, because Recom and KH2 Final Mix Plus were the same game. You said you had to just beat uh, Sora's story and reverse rebirth, and then for for us on one point five slash two point five, you have to complete days to get access to these. But they exist in all the existing Ruto Awards, just a second treasure chest. It's kind of cool. You get some of the KH two Keyblades as cards, which we're not going to oh. go into because we didn't get them. But those are very nice, and then you get some of the other organization members we're going to meet in the next game. As enemy cards as well. I didn't know that up until this playthrough. Um, I did. I did look into. Can I skip through all of days to get the second set of Rune to Award stuff mm. as we were playing through? Unfortunately, yep. no. So uh, this is also, that's kind of also my incentive to come back to this game in the future is to be like, yeah, yeah let's see, yeah, because I've always seen like the. Just like on Cage Wiggies and stuff, I've always seen like the images of the Cage Two cards or Cage Two Keyblades like in the card format, and I'm like, well, where where does that come from? Like, why would that Ex- be? A yeah, I'm, it's so, bo- it's yeah, uh, Bond of Flame. I remember. Yeah, yeah, Bond of yeah, Flame. exactly. I that's the one I've always seen. I'm like, this doesn't exist in this game unless it was you know unless and it wasn't like this like a you know you know we get the Twilight Town wink wink nudge nudge in Recon, but do we get this cut and? Surprisingly, it's because it's locked behind. Hey, you know the story to these characters and these weapons now, so now yeah. you get to play with them and recon. I, I I do like the idea of this being a part of Final Mix Plus in Japan. Kind of made, makes a little bit of sense. Unfortunately, not for us uh, outside of Japan in, entirely because it requires going back to to recon. 
but as as part of the enhanced edition of Cage, original Cage 2, I thought that was kind of a cool a cool little thing they could do. And, yeah. And they did it. And I guess another very very small note, uh, Riku for life, baby. It's coming up. Here's my here's my here's my Riku shout out because I love Riku very very much. I, th- I think Riku is actually my favorite character. And Cage oh, one Riku. Yes. I mean, to put it in very mild perspective, Sora is the very light. Sora is the general protagonist. Like he's oh he's usually very happy. He's like on the side of good most of the time. Except when his memory gets warped. Uh, but Riku kind of, I mean, we've seen it now. Riku kind of gets to tread the line between light and darkness. He's going to take the road in between. So Riku is just a more interesting character to me. And he, he gets better moments. So this is the, I mean, I it, I try to ignore Cage one Riku. Because he's just a jackass. Like, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. But yeah, now is the start of the Riku upswing. So... I'm happy with what we're going to see after and going forward. Yeah, there's a lot more to talk about there, especially in Cage 2. You're definitely not alone in that camp. I'm not a part of it personally. <laughs> but mm-hmm. um, that is not a, an invalid opinion by any means. But mm-hmm. yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about that <laughs> as the story unfolds. Like I said, I do like Riku much more in this game particular, so I will give him that... And yeah, like, I mean, this, it's kind of more his game, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> he has development. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, he has actual growth, and, like, the ending is more, like, climactic for him, or, like, you feel like it ends on, like, a real oomph. So, yeah, totally. He is making his way down that, that road to dawn. What lies at the ends? Well, we'll just have to wait and see. Except. We will see next week, because it's finally here. We know what's at the end. We're that doing road. it. The road yeah! to Kingdom Hearts two. All right, I'm not gonna do the whole thing, but uh, yeah, <laughs> it's the big one, everybody. So Woo! I know I did like a little joke a few episodes ago, but no, it's actually happening. We are finally starting Kingdom Hearts two next week, and uh. Buckle up and strap in, because it's going to be a long ride. <laughs> oh, yeah. But I'm excited, because lots and lots to talk about. We get to revisit the cage, too, again. Yeah. Yeah. But, of course, we have that notorious intro section, but hmm, we will we'll have a lot to say about that next week. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Get caught up if you aren't already. This is a game where I do actually recommend people play. <laughs> um, yes! So, yeah. That wraps it officially for Re-Chain of Memory. So, yeah. No spoilers, or no surprise. It's it's probably my least favorite in the whole series. <laughs> but it gave us a lot to talk about, at least. So, eh. <laughs> it wasn't completely worthless. Those yeah. are words we can, we can say, and are half truths at the very, very least. Yeah, but I'm just so, so glad it's over. I just could not be more thrilled that we are leaving this behind <laughs> us. <laughs> yeah. Tune in next week 
But in the meantime, you can do all the things. You can rate and review us on iTunes or your mm-hmm. platform of choice if it lets you do those things. Helps us show up higher in the search. You can subscribe yeah. if you haven't already. You can get the latest KHBH episode on demand first thing every Friday morning straight to your phone. Take off the weekend with uh, your Kingdom Hearts goons like us. You can refer us to friends, you know, spread the word, share it to any other Kingdom Hearts. We like friends, you know. They're our power. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we're what, 27 episodes in by now? Like, how much more do we have to hammer in this lesson? Like, (laughs) (laughs) and you can also email us. That's the other thing. Yeah, khbhpodcast at gmail.com, baby. That's the one. And you can find the description, too. Yeah, let us know what you thought about Chain of Memories, but also, looking forward to next week, uh, let us know how excited you are about KH2. Um, specifically, um, I just love to hear people's stories about playing for the first time, um, or just, you know, the hype leading up to Kingdom Hearts 2, just like to kind of like, you know, discuss this moment in between the games because mm-hmm. yeah i'd definitely love to touch on that uh next week of like yeah the like actual living in the moment of actually waiting for a kingdom hearts 2 because obviously everyone knows that waiting for kingdom hearts 3 was a huge thing but like you know for the for the real ones who were there from the beginning and waiting for Kingdom Hearts 2 when that seemed like the far-flung sequel that would never arrive. Ooh, yep. that's that's something we will dig into. It's all going down in Twilight Town. Sunday, Sunday, Bye-bye. Sunday. I guess to, to send her off, I guess one last time, uh, let's see, to the to the road to dawn, or I guess to, to Twilight's last gleaming, wherever Riku's headed. That's where we're going. Gotta follow the way. Beautiful boy. Alright. Good night, everybody. Bye bye.